All right, episode five, Lane One Talk Show. We are just cranking out the content. How you doing, Mark? I'm doing pretty good, Phil. How you doing tonight? I'm doing. I'm. I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Um, just got done with some Olive Garden um, with the family, and uh, yeah, it's it's uh, it's it's it, it is currently Friday, so we're looking forward to the weekend. How about yourself? Yeah, same thing. One thing I love about doing these on a Friday night is it keeps me grounded in the sense of I'm not trying to head out or I'm not trying to go do anything uh, debaucherous, for lack right. of a better word. But one question I got to ask you, how many breadsticks did you crush tonight over under five? Oh, under, under, I, you know. Are uh, you my... watching the figure? <laughs> well, I just, I don't know what it is. You know, you know you're looking at, you know, age 21, 22, Cal Poly version of myself, I could crush a whole basket. But after, you know, two and a half, I start to slow down a little bit. Oh, it's that metabolism it's catching metabolism up. Metabolism catching up. That metabolism, look at you, you're so fat. Yeah, dude. You're, I'm just, you're basically a Clydesdale runner now. Stagnant. <laughs> stagnant. But yeah, um, just we were uh back in school this week. Um, you know, I, I am a teacher. I teach special education at a local local high school. So we started school back up this week. So a little bit more tired, a little bit more looking forward to the weekend. Um, but I like the routine. Um, you know, you have to pay the bills somehow and, and being a teacher is, is rewarding and, and I enjoy it. Um, but, but you you're going to miss training camp big time, huh? I'm going to miss training camp big time. I'm going to miss the double days. I was, uh, doing double thresholds on the, uh, elliptical. <laughs> um, I did get a good elliptical session in last night though. Uh, that's um, good. That's good. Are you going to practice tomorrow morning? I am going to practice tomorrow morning. Um, we'll do tempo. Um, we had a good session Wednesday night. Yeah, we did. Yeah. If you want to talk about that a little bit. Yeah. I just did a, I, you know, I, with the hamstring and the trial and error, I, you know, it's, it's, you know, you want to gain confidence. So I did eight, four hundreds at 75, 73 to 75 with 200 meter recovery jog. Then like, five minutes rest. And then I did six times 200 with 200 meter rest at around 35, 34, 35. So like at, not, not at, at all what we would consider a hero workout, but like when you got a hamstring and you're running a 34 second, 35 second, and you can do it with no pain. I think, you know, that's pretty good. You know, I gained a lot of confidence about that, uh, with, with that workout. So, um, yeah, that was good. You were out there. What'd you do? Yeah, I had a three by 400, 300, 200, something on the complete polar opposite end. So while Phil at, was at what pace? Um, I was hitting about 62 pace for this for the 400. Oh. I mean, for the first set in totality. So, you know, about 47 on the three and then about a 31 on the two. And then eventually by the last set, I got down to about 59 on the four, 44 on the three and a 28 on the two. So. Not a hero workout either, but definitely touching pace. That's kind of um, what I'm hoping mile pace will be by the end of this indoor season or by the end of the summer at least. And uh, just setting myself up for as much success as possible. And yeah, get hoping to have a really good indoor race uh, next week. Yeah, that's solid. It's solid. And it's, you know, you, you have to pick and choose your days. You can't have hero workouts twice a week you know um, yeah yeah we're supposed to have a hero workout tomorrow um what are you going to be doing i'm probably going to be doing um another broken tempo so like some uh two miles 
um, with short recovery and, you know, maybe try and get up, up to eight miles worth of work, uh, work on my bottle, um, work on my, uh, my bottle, uh, handling, you know, uh, hydration and, um, yeah, things like those bottles. Yeah. <laughs> pause, pause. <laughs> um, yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, like you gotta, you gotta practice those things. Um, so, and we'll get into a little bit more about the, uh, the, the, the marathon specifically, but yeah, ha ha practicing my hydration, I guess, I guess is what I'm trying to say. And, yeah. um, you know, feeling smooth and just gaining confidence. That's what I got. What's on yeah. deck for you on deck for me. I have eight by 800 at five K pace. So pretty beefy workout. I was surprised that um usually Joe's a little bit more moderate with the cut with the workouts late against race uh, week, but um that's yeah. That is a that is a beefy one. That is gonna be a fast one. The goal is hopefully I'm assuming he's gonna tell me to start off pretty conservative. So probably 218, 216 on the first couple. And then by the end of it, I'm hoping to get down to 210. Try to make 65s feel comfortable, man. Mm -hmm. If I can go out, um if I can go out and 65s feel pretty good in the 5k, you're running about 1330. So for me, my PB is 1349. So that's 66 points, mm -hmm. just about. Yep. I think when I did run that, I ran about um, maybe like 265s to start off, clip, clipped off 67s the whole way through, mm -hmm. and then closed in like a 62, and that came down to about a, a 1349. So yeah. ideally, if I can clip off 66s comfortably for the whole race and then close again 61, 62 in the last 400 – you're talking to sub uh 1340 yeah, yeah sub 1340 there so that's kind of what i'm hoping for yeah getting comfortable running 65 66 seconds is 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 very helpful um yeah. because you know with pacing and and you never know with what these rabbits are going to do if there's going to be one you know you could have yeah a 62 you know you could have a 67 in there so having something you know, if you're in 64, 65 seconds shape, that 60, you know, those 63s are not going to be like absolutely redlining if you only have to do one or two of them. Yeah. Um, do you remember that San Francisco distance carnival race that we had back in 2018 when oh, they ran yes. the AP to the 5K like midday? It was like 75 degrees and humid. Yes. And we had a pacer. And right when he steps on the line, the first thing he said is, is I haven't ran in two years. And we're like, wait, what? Yeah. And he was supposed to take us through the mile in 428. And the way we got to 428 was so unorthodox. We went 70 through the 400, then a 65, and then he DNF'd. And then another guy got antsy, so we ran a 67 from there. And I think we came through about like 432. Oh, man. And we wound up running like an accordion for the first mile. I don't know. I I think you got second that day. You ran like 14-12. I was in the B heat, dude. No, you're in the A heat with me. Are you sure? Yeah, I ran 15-01. Oh. <laughs> I exploded. That was oh, the, my slowest 5K of my life. Oh, was wow. That day. Because I, are we, you sure? We, I, yeah. I feel like I was in the B heat. No, nah, you weren't in the B heat. I think you I ran got like 14-19, something like that, 14-13. Yeah, like 14, 13, but it was just hot and humid that day. I think a guy from like Boulder Track Club won it with like a 13, 58. Yeah, I like that meet, dude. 
Well, they do it. They do all. They do the fast heats midday so that the coaches can get over to Stanford in the evening. Yeah, they don't do that anymore, man. No, <laughs> they don't do that they, anymore. They don't but, do it anymore. But they did. They did back then. Yeah, but not to go too much down a rabbit hole. I can talk about track all day, but right, we have an important event coming we up. Do. Outside of the indoor season, even more important, we're talking about the Olympic trials for the marathon. Yes. Coming up, what day is that, Phil? It's Saturday, February 3rd, uh, 2024. Um, coverage starts on NBC and Peacock um, at 10 a.m. local, 10 a.m. local, which is 7 a.m. Uh, for most of us here on the West Coast. The men's race starts officially at 10, 10 a.m. locally. And then the women are 10 minutes after uh, at 1020. So 710 and 720 respectively for uh, for our California people. Yeah. Have you had any chance to take a look at the course just yet? I know we've yeah. talked about it a little bit. We know where it's going to be, but uh, course map is, has been out for quite some time. Have you have you been scouting it a little bit on Google Maps? I yeah. know you're a big techie nerd. So yes, that's have been. <laughs> yeah. What? Yes, I have. Uh, I have. I have been checking it out. Um, it's a 2.2 mile little loop to start, and then it's three uh, eight mile loops um, around um, uh, Orlando. And um, you know, you know the in Google Maps where you can like drop your little guy, and yeah. he's street side. I've been checking out the some of the neighborhoods. Some of it goes through some residential. Um, what's interesting is that USATF have had a webinar on the course. And about the guy who does uh, the guy who designed the course was was talking and uh, downtown Orlando is actually a lot of a red brick road, um, which is it's, it's beautiful for like tourists, but it's like awful to run on. So uh, that was one of the challenges they had to overcome. So it's they I, I think the course avoids the red brick, but um, I, I, I there might be a couple patches. I don't think I don't think there is going to be um, much red brick, though, but the course is uh, flat um so it'll be it's very spectator friendly uh it um it does loop there is one there's one solid hairpin uh near miles 3 11 and 19 um so you know that'll be especially like the mile 19 one that's that's that could be a little bit of a mario kart <laughs> you know red shell um but um yeah from, from what i from what i can tell it is it, it has a long axis in the middle with uh you know some looping on the ends um it goes near a lake uh, it's, it it starts and ends near a lake near uh, the disney amphitheater uh lake eola park um so uh from what i can tell it's going to be a good course it's going to be it's very well set up they have hydration stations uh, i have personal fluids i will be having um martin um martin uh sports drink the martin sports drink 320 i'll be having some of it caffeinated some of it uncaffeinated um and they actually have martin gels on course um so i won't have to stash them in my pockets like i did at, <laughs> at houston um so that was a big dub because i've been training with uh martin gels um and then the weather I checked out the weather it's historically in orlando this time of year in early february we're looking at low to mid 70s um for the high and um low to mid 50s for the low and with 70 to 75 percent humidity 
um, which, which is balmy. That is, that is, uh, that's warm. Um, but it can, it can get as high into the mid eighties too. Um, but it can get into sixties. Huh? That's mid eighties is cooking. man. Mid eighties is cooking. And USATF did release, I forget exactly what the thresholds are, but there's like thresholds for race cancellation and postponement. Um, and it has to do what they call the wet bulb test. Um, which is a combination of sun exposure, ambient temperature, wind, and humidity. It's an entire like calculation that the athletic training staff looks at. Um, hopefully it doesn't get to that point. Um, they've sent out a ton of advisories on, on hydrating properly and stuff like that. And I've been practicing that stuff. Um, hey man, at this point, the more, if there's any delays that just plays more and more into your favor. I know, man. I, I like, I want, I, I, I've just in my head, you know, you yeah. just, I want it hot. I want it. I want it, you know, uncomfortable, you know, it's, you know, that, that, that's, that's, that's just going to help me out, you know? Yeah. The you more know, people want... you hear complaining about the weather, the start time, all that kind of stuff. That's pretty much music to your ears at this Love point. Love it. Love it. Yeah. 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 I, 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 I've just been men mentally prepared from, you know, as soon as they announced the location and the time and the time of year, I was like, Oh, it's going to be humid. So, um, yeah, so that's the basic overview of the event. Um, and again, we're qualifying for, uh, the, you know, this is the qualifying event for the Olympics, right? So, yeah. um, this, this is the trials, this is the trials the, the top three men, top three women, uh, will represent United States in the, um, in, at the Olympics. Um, and there, there was a caveat with that. We were looking at the, the research there, there in the, in the rules and not to get too much into the minutia, but the U S actually only has two spots for men currently, but as soon as the qualification period for the Olympics for Paris closes on May 5th, um, they're going to look at all the performance standards and the U S will, will likely fill a full men's team. Um, and there's an, there's a published document. USATF just released the selection procedures. It's super wordy and it's, it's, you know, it's like 400 level reading. Um, so it's on the website if everyone, if anyone wants to go see it, but for all intents and purposes, top three across the line represent the United States in Paris, in the Olympics. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm super excited to toe the line there. Um, yeah. Yeah. So looking at the qualifying standards for this event, it was a 218 for the men, 230 or 237 for the women. And if you want to qualify in the half, it's about a 63 for the men, 112 for the women. What do you think about the standards? Do you think they're fair? Um, you saw how aggressive that they got year over year. It used to be sub 65 back in 2016. Yep. And then it was sub 64 in 2020. Now it's sub 63 for the half. So they clearly said like, if you're going to be qualifying in the half, you better be a killer because right. if for, the, for those that are unfamiliar, 63 minutes in the half, you cannot BS. No, you cannot be in aerobic shape. You have to be in 10 K shape along with basically your full base phase because that's 447 per mile. Yeah, And I think sub 63 would have you in the top 10 or in the top 15 of the U.S. performance list yes. on a given year? Yes. Yeah, and 218, there's a lot of people stuck right between that 218.30 to 219. Yep. How did you feel when they did release the more strict standards going into I, this one? I, I I personally liked it. I think that, as a, you know, 
that I think the 63 minutes is, I think in some cases a little bit more challenging than the 218. But the 218, you still have to go out there and do it, right? You still have to go out there and run 515 miles for 26 miles. Like, like, you know, it's easy to sit here and say, oh man, like 218, that's easy. But like there's so you have to many be a marathoner. You have to like, be a marathoner. Like there's yeah. so many people who make it to 218 pace through 18 miles through 20 miles. And, you know, for whatever reason, it, 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 it slips away from them. And you, you, it's not that, that easy of a, of an achievement. Sure. If you're, you know, Galen or CJ. Yeah. But like for people like the, you know, your blue collar who are, you know, going for that, you know, home run hail Mary at the Olympic trials, like you have to, you have to show up and run 218. So I really like what USATF did with this. Um, because it's like, Hey, you can run the half, but you need to be a killer. Like you said, you need to be a dog. Um, you know, you need to be able to handle this. Like I got in, in 2016 with the 60 sub 65. Um, and you know, that was a great experience in Los Angeles, but you know, I, I feel like when you're talking 65, 64 high, then, you know, you, you might have, you might not have people who have the same experience, you know? and or who have the uh the level of conditioning that you need to have a competitive marathon and and usatf is looking for a team to represent the united states in paris right so you know we're, we're going for a little bit more of a select field um and so i like i like the times the times got faster all around i think last time was 219 for yeah. the full and 64 yeah. in 2020 it was 64 i think yeah, um, shout out Brian, sixty four oh three and sixty four oh one. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but um, um, yeah. Piggybacking off that a little bit, I think I was pretty happy as well with the time drops. I know that sounds really kind of like jerkish, but at the same time, I do think for an Olympic trials event where you're looking to field in, like an elite team to make the USA team, I don't think there should be like two hundred to four hundred people lining up for this. Yeah. Like you look at the rest of the events in reality, if there's 200 to 400 people lining up for this event, there's probably a good 300 people in those events that aren't going to contend at all. And then there's right. going to be another 60 from those hundred that probably aren't contending at all. And then that last 40 is going to be okay on a given day. Maybe any of those guys can make the team. Yeah. And I'm happy that they do give everyone a chance because, you know, sometimes you limp your way to the start line to get that mm -hmm. to get that qualifier. There's some guys that, um, you know, they're kind of just desperately making it to the line because they had an injury for their planned buildup. And it's like, okay, maybe at on the trials day, they're going to be much more fit. So, yes, it gives people the opportunity to line up. But at the same time, I do like the fact that even though it hurts a guy like myself, like let's say I wanted to go for the half marathon and wasn't ready to do a full marathon, at the same time, it guarantees you, you have to be an absolute in absolute peak form to be able to make that start line. And I do think that's what it should take. Yeah, I agree. I, I I'm fine with the times. I think it's, um, you know, I think it's going to be competitive. Um, not sure how fast it's going to be with the, with the, uh, with the weather, the way it is. Um, but you know, I think there's going to be, um, you know, an opportunity for some, uh, for some great performances. Um, and you know, well, another thing that I th that I think that is that's special about the marathon trials is is that um, this is a selection event for the marathon, so it is paired up with the um, track and field 
uh, Olympic trials in, in June, they're in June or July in, um, June, in June. June. Yeah. In, yeah. in, in late June, um, Eugene, that's where the rest of the track and field team will be selected. So, um, what's unique about the Olympic trials for the marathon is that it is its own selection event for world championship years. Um, they will draw from the U S championship marathon, uh, but that U.S. Marathon Championship is usually paired up with like CIM or Twin Cities, right? Yeah, it's, 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 it's not its, its own event. It's not its own event. So, it the, the Olympic Trials is is special in that way, where it's a bespoke event to select the team to represent the United States. So it's it's this event in Florida. It's not a Florida marathon. It's not like you know the the Disney World marathon, right? It's it's just yeah. the Olympic Trials. So. Um, that's another thing that's special about this event. It's only every once every every four years, right? Yeah, um, you know, and I so think what gives it a charm for what you were saying is it is it's a race, meaning it's unpaced. There's not guys in striped in striped jerseys leading the way for Kipchoge to run two hundred one. Who sometimes like, stay in the run race and run two hundred five, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like there's no pacers. There's no one making nope. sure that it's all fun and games. I think in the last trials, I think it might have been Brian Schrader made a super aggressive move that broke it open with yeah. like about halfway through. And you look at some of the guys that are probably in this race that are probably either thinking of taking it out dummy hard, going to make some sort of stupid move in the, in the middle, or maybe not stupid. Maybe it's going to be the move that's going to make them make the team, hmm. but it is just pure uncut raw racing. No matter yep. what the conditions are, everyone's going to have to deal with it. Everyone has to deal with it. Whoever's the better runner that day. Yeah. is going to make that team. And like, Every pretty much, pretty much every year, for the most part, every year in track and field, and if it's a world championships year, you're gonna get your best athletes out in track and field, right? Yeah. Um, I, I, I feel like th the US, we may not always have our best, very best marathoners going to world championships every year in the marathon. Would you agree? Yeah, yeah. I mean, a lot of people will forego the world championships to go run a marathon major, it's yeah. just much more lucrative, yeah. Yeah. So, like, so yeah, I, I, I think that's another special thing about the marathon too, is you literally have the best marathons in the country, best, best marathoners yeah. in the country, you know, where at the U S champs, you, you may not, you know, twin cities or CIM, you you may not have your top four or five marathoners show up, or maybe you might get one of those, one of those guys, one of those girls, but you know, it's going to be, um, it's, you rarely get like, yes, this is, these are the best marathoners in the country lining up the U S champs. Well, yeah. I mean, and just to put that into context for the vast majority of runners, probably 95% of runners, maybe even 99, I'm, I'm willing to go that far. If you tell somebody you're the marathon world champion versus you're the Mar the Boston marathon champion, which do you think they're, they're going to care about more? There, everybody's gonna say Probably Boston. Boston yeah. yeah, yeah. Like you New look York. at guys. Yeah, you look at guys like Scott Fobble. Probably, like he'll probably take those top American finishes at Boston any day than a world like top American finish at a world championship. And because it's seen as a way more impressive yeah. feat, he probably also gets like a super nice appearance fee for that too. When at the world championships, he's probably having to rely on his sponsor to pay his way there might have to pay his own hotel, like paying for his Ubers and trying to get yeah. that reimbursed. Meanwhile, Boston will put him up in a super nice hotel, mm -hmm. pay for his flights, pay for his meals. 
and then given an appearance fee, why would you not do that? Yeah, like, no, I, I agree. I and, and and that's and I'm glad we're talking about this because I think the marathon, you, you know, it is part of track and field, but it's like an entirely different sport compared to track and field, right? Yeah. Um, you know, cause I would say the world majors are going to be in line kind of with your, your, maybe your, your diamond league. Right. Um, to a certain degree, um, you know, cause uh, you know, like, I don't think people are going to necessarily forego the world champs to run a diamond league. Cause I think the diamond leagues pauses yeah. right for the world champs. Yeah. Um, so you're not, you know, um, and, um, but like they're, they're not going to postpone Boston because the trials are two months before, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Boston still has a super loaded field. Yeah. Um, yeah. so, uh, we wanted to talk a little bit about the Aggies, uh, that are competing at the, the Hoka Aggies that are competing at the, the trials in Orlando. Yeah. So, I'll give you time to talk about because we're going to talk about you, um, your outlook for it essentially. But let's introduce the other Aggies first. Yeah, first person that we got on the list, our boy Sworn Jeep. Yep, I, I got it. Boy, boy Al. Yes, yeah, Sworn Jeep Boy Al. He is an engineer working full time. He's also a cross country coach. It looks like he's making waves over at his old high school. Mm -hmm. And the dude is a he's a specimen once it comes to training. I've never seen anybody be able to go like pretty, pretty dang hard on mileage like that and just be able to get up to go do mileage in the, in the way that he does. And what I mean by that is back when I used to train with him, the guy used to get up at 5 a.m. to go for a 13 mile to 17 mile midweek long run and then go to work full time, like nine hours, come back and then go for a nine mile run with me. And then looking at Estrava now, he does that a little bit less to a degree, but if he's singling and he's doing a 13-mile run before work and before practice and he's getting up super early to do it, he's still doing like 13 miles at six flat. And for him, it just makes all the sense in the world to be doing that. He's not someone that you have to like pull his hair or hold his hand to be like, right. yo, you need to be hitting these high mileage. Yeah, This dude, to him, it, it just makes sense. And his qualification blew me away. Yeah. I did not expect that he can run to 1630. Yeah. And he, he was, I mean, he was pretty casual about it when I talked to him. Yeah. You know? He was just like, Oh yeah. I was just like sharing bottles with my friends and, and yeah, it was, it was very impressive. Yeah. I remember leading into it. He was, he was hitting high mileage. I'll give him his credit there. And because I know he's just a dog, but when I was talking to him prior to that, he goes, I was like, how, did you know you were going to be ready for that? He goes, well, I did like two fart licks and then a 10 mile tempo at like five minute pace. And I knew I can do it. He's on, I got to about 13 miles and I was like, oh, this is in the bag. I was like, what? Like who just, you have to have unwavering confidence to be able yeah. to step into a race, especially the marathon and halfway through be like, oh yeah, this is in the bag. And running a two minute PR when your training has, was less structured than historical attempts. And this guy mm -hmm. just blew his PB out the water. And that kind of just goes to show when you keep the main thing, the main thing, and you have that kind of confidence in yourself, you can make some damn crazy waves. Yep. Yep. And so he, his qualifying time two sixteen thirty three at the, at CIM in 2022, um, part of a big, big, a big slew of athletes who qualified at that, at that, at that race. Um, um, but yeah, 
sworn, you know, what were, were with some of those like midweek long runs. Wasn't he, wasn't there a point when he was running like mile one was like six Oh two. Oh dude. So he and I, we'd get up at like 5. AM and there's one time where he was like, yeah, I just need some confidence real quick. Mile one, five fifty, And we're talking like, this is winter, like 5. AM dark, freezing cold out. It's dark. You, we're out in Polly Canyon for all my people out there that understand Stenner. Pitch black, Stenner Creek. You cannot see anything. Mm-hmm. It's like kind of like agricultural hills. Yeah. Yeah. And this dude, it's like mile three, 525, mile four, 530. And this is not a flat run. Yeah. And I'm full nope. 175 heart rate trying to keep up with this guy. I'm like maybe five strides behind him. And it's just right out the gate. <laughs> Like 530, 540, Man. 520, and getting down all the way to like the five O's. <laughs> I, I feel like like having a 550 mile one, you like your garments chirping, that is like max heart rate, bro. Like <laughs> Yeah. That that's just the gift that that dude has. He can just kind of yeah. he just kind of go at those moderate paces. Yeah. He's, He's got me. no issue. Yeah. 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 That's that is a gift. Um and, um, yeah, the other, the other athlete that we have going is Sergio Reyes, veteran Sergio Reyes. His qualifying time was two sixteen fourteen at the McGurdy micro marathon. How old's this dude? Uh, I want to say he's in his, he's in his early forties. He's a master's athlete for sure. Didn't uh, he retire like four times already? He, he may, he may or may not have retired four times. He's, this is his fourth um olympic trials in the marathon he's a former u.s champion um in uh, like 2012 he was a u.s marathon champion so he has represented the united states in uh in in the in the marathon um that was 2013 i think he went to uh was it daegu or uh yeah i think he went to daegu he went yeah to- worlds yeah um so uh veteran i mean the list of accomplishments and accolades. Um, he was, did he win club Nats in most recently from not this most recent one, but in 2022 in, in, um, San Francisco for masters. Did he win or did Malcolm get it? I think I want to say Malcolm. Wait, no. Did he get Malcolm? I think he got Malcolm. I want to see. He got Malcolm. God, I, I I fact check that one. Hi everyone, Phil here from the future. I just wanted to clarify a couple of details that we talked about um, about regarding Sergio's accomplishments. Um, he was a U.S. marathon champ in 2010, which earned him a spot on the world marathon team in Daegu, Korea in 2011. And 2024 marathon trials will be his fifth Olympic trials and he did, in fact, win the Masters Division in the 2022 Club Cross Country Championships in San Francisco. So um, I just wanted to make sure that we gave cre- credit where credit's due. And, you know, Sergio has had a very um, decorated career, and we wanted to just make sure we got all of our facts straight there. So back to the episode. Veteran, um, you know, him, I, I've ha- him and I've had some great battles out there on the, on the, uh, long course and the short course circuit in the Pacific association, Northern California, um, across the Bay 12 K, um, Clarksburg half marathon, Redding 10 miler, uh, Sacramento 10 miler. This guy shows up. 
Um, and what stands out in my mind with Sergio is it doesn't really matter what race is. It could be the U.S. Championships. It could be the Olympic Trials. It could be the Peyton Jordan Cardinal uh, 10K at 11 o'clock at night. Or it could be like the Clarksburg um, Half Marathon. This guy's going to show up and he's going to give 100%, right? Um, I, I remember one year at the Clarksburg, you know, PA races, P, uh, the Pacific Association races for people who don't know are um, part of a, a local road racing circuit. It's a Grand Prix um, and they're, they're, they're competitive, but they're not like super competitive. They, they are like very much um, sort of regional races. They're pretty damn like you still have to be you still have to be able to run under 66 in the house. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like 66, but it's not like 62, right? It's not yeah, like not Houston. pro level competitive. But it's not like, pro level competitive, but it's still like you're not a dog. Yeah, you're not winning if you're not a dog. And one yeah. year, one year we uh, I was racing Sergio and we come through four miles. I'm not joking. Sub 1940. Oh, God sub 1940 for this race. And it, I just feel like I'm at the, the rev limiter. Um, and I'm like, this is, this is, this is insane. We still have nine miles to go. And he, he dropped me. I mean, I fell, fell way behind. Um, cause he just, he catches these, these wild hairs where he's just on and, yeah. um, yeah, he dropped me like a bad habit. Um, and then he had a good, he had a decent track and field career too. He would, he would, he would place well at the, um, you know, in like the second or the third heat of the, of the 5k at Mount Sac, you know, he would run low 14s and then come back a few weeks later and basically, you know, run that pace for 10k, you know, run like 28, you know, 40 for 10k, um, in the, in like the, the, the B section at Peyton Jordan, um yeah he's a 28 30 guy pre-super shoes he's a 28 he's a 28 30 guy which i i don't think people give him a lot of credit for um his track and field career um that that you know that he had you know he you know like i said he could run in the low 14s and in the 28 30s and um you know you have to put in the work for that so it's it's like when he does these things when he goes out to new york and runs these these time trials or whatever it doesn't really surprise me having known him for like almost 20 years now like um so yeah those are those are uh two of our teammates that we're gonna see in um in orlando yeah yeah and those are two really good runners like yeah Sergio's just training in the desert too <laughs> like oh yeah he's another he's another grinder dude he's another 4 30 yeah. in the morning um his training is very impressive it's like man midweek long run like 18 miles like 5 40 pace at 4 a.m <laughs> yeah he just does some crazy stuff but outside of him we had robert qualify robert was feeling a little beat up so he's opting for boston instead um just because he, he wasn't recovering too well from um cim his body was still beat up pretty bad and you know us being blue collar you, you still have other other obligations and other priorities on the side, so he decided to forego the trials a little bit. But can't take away from him his 214. If anyone hasn't listened to that episode, you should give him a yep. listen. He's episode very and very honest. Yeah, he, but. he is. And I and we do have a short uh, uh, a clip of that on YouTube um, that that highlights his insight into um, you know his the the mental process of of being successful and sort of the challenges that you have to overcome as a distance runner. Yeah, but let's go into let's go into our fourth and final qualifier, which is yours truly, Mr. Phil Reed. Yes. Right here. So 
just a little bit of a background. Phil did run the trials in 2016. We've, we've talked about Phil's buildup a little bit. We've talked about his accomplishments and his accolades. But the thing that really stands out about this Olympic trials, very similarly to 2016, was 2016 was just a, it was just a, a hellscape of an event. So for people that don't know, 2016 was held in Los Angeles and they did it around like the USC campus. Mm-hmm. The issue with that was it was 82 degrees at start time. All my LA people know how hot it gets. Oh yeah. Just ra- radiating off the concrete. Yeah. And to put it into perspective of just how much of a hellhole that event was, it was the most dropped out Olympic trials ever in us wow. history. Wow. I think oh, about 50% of the field did not finish. And Phil, what place did you get at that one? I was 37th. 37th? 37th at 224. And that was your debut as well? That was my debut because I qualified with a half. Yeah, pre-super shoes. Pre-super shoes. We're in, uh, I was in some hyperspeeds or uh, we were ASICs back then. So yeah, um, they had a um, kind of a cool run of like Japanese um, racers. The, the Ekaden shoes. Yeah. Yeah, they were cool. Yeah, so what are some things you think you can take away from the 26 your experience in 2016 and cuz the conditions were absolutely horrid and I'm sure that doesn't escape your mind. That was your debut marathon and right. you've only run one other marathon outside of that. What are some things that you probably learned from that that you can take away for this one? That's a good question. It's 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 going to be um managing your energy early on and being within yourself um and you know and you know to get in the sponges keeping your core temp down um you know that was one of my takeaways and i was pretty naive going into that one but um you know making sure that you've you know prepared properly you've eaten well the night before and the day of um you're taking you know copious amounts of fluids um and you know you're you you know, ideally, ideally what I've seen some of the pros that have already been, have already been in Orlando training, acclimatizing. Um, so I think, I mean, in a perfect world, if you're, you know, full-time pro that, you know, that would probably be the, you know, the best suggestion would to go kind of do a little mini camp on the ramp up, but, you know, just having that mental preparation, um, it's really like LA is retrospectively, it's really hard for me to like jump in the time machine and say like, what would I do differently? Um, because it was so much carnage out there. I I mean, maybe I would go out a little bit easier, you know, I would try and maybe find a pack that was going a little bit of a slower pace early on. Cause I faded to like six thirties, you know? Um, and, 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 you know, put that in perspective, I faded to six thirties, ran two twenty four, and still got 37th. Like (laughs) that's how much carnage there was out there that day. Um, but they did play lose yourself on the start line. Um, I will never forget that. I remember seeing Galen. He was like two rows up from me listening to uh, lose yourself right before the race started. And it's like, you know, all the cameras, NBC, it was like, it was, it was a surreal moment. Um, So that was really cool, but I don't know, man. It's like my main takeaways were like, you know, running within yourself, you know, take care of your body as well as you can try to keep the energy like low and like be like a Prius, you know, just be economical early on. Um, and you know, get the sponges and all that stuff. Um, find a pack, that sort of thing. So with that being said, do you anticipate yourself? Like if the race gets out hot, 
you anticipate yourself kind of being a little bit more conservative and picking off the dead bodies that you expect to be coming back? Or do you think it's going to be one of those races where it's like, you have to be there similar to um, how Atlanta played out. So Atlanta was pretty, pretty horrid conditions as well in 2021 from what I was told. It's pretty windy. Pretty I think, windy, right? Yeah. Super windy, cold and hilly. And, but a unique thing about that race that a lot of people were talking about. So like Jared Ward in particular was saying that in Atlanta, something he wasn't used to was there was like 40 guys through halfway running about five minute pace for the marathon, which is something you will never see because mm-hmm. usually that's two 1130. You're not going to have 40 guys at the trials run two eleven thirty on a hilly and windy course. You said you 40, know? 40 guys. Yeah. Like wow. 40 guys through 65, 30, everybody was in there throwing swings, trying to be a part of that team. So if something like that were to play out again, do you think you would probably be part of that 40 guys? Or do you think you'd probably maybe come through 68, 66 in those areas and try to like pick off the people that die and hope that those warm conditions play in your favor. Do you, do you think this is going to be a situation where it's like, I have to go, you know, that's a good question. Um, you know, I, I'm definitely somebody who at this point kind of, kind of understands how much, you know, how much fuel you have left, how much percentage you have left, um, in your battery. Um, um, so I, 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 I think, you know, it, depending on the conditions, you know, it, it does have the potential to be windy. Um, there has been some days recently where midday, early morning, it was, uh, you know, 20 mile an hour winds with gusts up to 40. Um, but I think that also helps factor into your, uh, you know, your strategy of, of being conservative, you know, because that that wind, especially since the course, the way it runs, you're going to be potentially in the wind for one direction and with it at your back for the other direction. Um, you know, you might have some carnage along those, um, parts of the course. So, you know, in terms of race strategy and execution, I think those are both really good ideas. And I think that it kind of just depends on where I am and how, and how the, and how the conditions are. I think if it's really hot, if it's like eighties, I'm probably going to be pretty conservative early on just because, you know, you have to last for two hours plus out there on your feet. And like, you know, if it's a little bit cooler, even if it's windy, I can probably be a little bit more aggressive. Um, it's just that, you know, Joe Rubio talks about this all the time. Like when you're hot, the the your blood is, is on the surface of your skin trying to cool you and it's not circulating throughout your um, muscles as much as it would be if it's cooler, right? Yeah. Um, so it's kind of like, you know, we had that, this guy, I think you were out there. We talked about, it's kind of, it's almost like altitude, right? Yeah. Um, poor man's altitude. It's poor man's altitude. So, you know, if it's 81 degrees and 74% humidity, it's like low key 6,200 feet for somebody who trains at zero, you know, like, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, you're going to feel it quick. You know, you're going to feel it. So I think the temperature is going to dictate a lot of my strategy and, you know, you know, I, I think, you know, if it's a little bit cooler, we, we might let it rip a little bit more um, just because we, you know, we train when it's 61 degrees and beautiful out at Cuesta yeah. College. So, um, yeah, that's that's a good question, but that's probably my outlook. It's kind of like dependent on the situation. Yeah. Yeah, I understand that. I understand that. And plus, a lot of strategy comes in the moment, right? You have to be no strategy ever comes perfect. Races never play out how you imagine. So a lot of it's probably going to be improvising on the day, right? Yep. Are are you a big um, 
what what's the word what's the word called when when you think about the when you think about the race before it plays out what is uh, the word uh visualizer visualizer yes that's exactly yeah. what i'm looking for are you a big visualizer for the race like i i am a, yeah you run alone a lot i'm sure it has to play in your head a few times are you are you that way yeah i am i i do visualize a lot um and you know in, in high school and college you get good at it right when it's when your races are like yeah. 1500s and your 5ks you can almost like play it all the way out but you know i've been kind of playing out segments of the race in my head and and honestly, like my visualization now is, 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 is just zoning in on, on, you know, the hurt and the, you know, what, and yeah. focusing in like for Houston, I was so hyper-focused on like mile 18 and, you know, I, I, I visualize those segments, you know, where, you know, it's going to be hard yeah. and, you know, and, and what am I going to be doing? I'm just going to be trying to keep keep moving, stay relaxed, keep, you know, control your breathing. Try not to be, you know, when your chest gets tight and you, yeah. you know, try to be relaxed and really open up your chest and get, just keep a, a smooth rhythm. Um, and you know, lately I've been visualizing more of the hydration stations just because, um, I'm going to have, um, my own personal bottles. So, you know, I've been practicing that I've been, you know, visualizing, you know, even if I'm not thirsty or if I'm feeling good, just still taking a little bit because it, it's, yeah. you know, um, but yeah, I've been visualizing that I've been visualizing, um, you know, the, the early parts of the race and the middle parts of the race, the end of the end of the race. Um, I think once I get there and I get to see the layout, like, I mean, I have been looking on Google earth, but like once you actually are on the ground and you can start seeing like we went to rock and uh, you know san jose rock and roll and we start to see the the finish line and the we start to see what it looks like with the barriers and everything then it's really going to kind of take um it's really going to take shape you know the race the race plan is going to take shape but yeah i do visualize um you know it's it it, it is a lot to visualize <laughs> yeah because yeah. it's a long one, race but yeah one it, thing i really like that you said that could escape people a lot is I feel when a lot of people do visualization, they try to play out how, how their perfect race would look like, or that they're feeling good every time. I know that was something that I was told when I was younger was imagine how good you're going to feel. Imagine how you're going to feel at this point, how you're going to feel at that point. But I feel like that could set you up for failure. The thing that I really like that you said is how, like how, how it's going to hurt because one thing at the faster you get, the more it hurts. Like, I don't think people understand when we're talking about you running like 510 pace for a marathon, you feel like every little bit of that 510. Mm -hmm. You feel every mile. It's Absolutely. not like 510 feels super easy. Like, it still feels kind of quick. And a lot of those guys running like 450s, 455s, it feels quick. Mm -hmm. And one thing I think is super valuable is, well, what are you going to do when it hurts? Yeah. Or how are you going to respond when it hurts? Yep. And visualizing those parts. And I think you talking about the things that people don't think about. So I've never done a marathon, but I've done an ultra or I've paced an ultra where I went for 50 K and that bottle visualization. Like I thought it was kind of funny when you rolled up to practice with the ketchup bottle, just a red ketchup bottle with yeah. the hole on the top. Yeah. However, when I was doing bottle grabs during that ultra, um, for context, I ran like 242 through the marathon and then went for like 10 more K and dropped that at 50 K. Um, that was my pacing duty, but my bottle was blue while everyone else's was white. 
and it had a giant mark written on it with a piece of paper. And in that moment, I had never practiced bottle grabs. I had never seen where I was going to be placed. I didn't study the map on where my bottle was going to be placed. And for some reason, I struggled to get my bottle every single freaking time because when you're going that fast and you see that in the moment, it's hard to look from a line of other bottles. It's not just yours at practice or like it is at practice. There's yeah. a line of other people and you have to distinguish that is my bottle. I'm going to grab it while moving at 510 pace. Yeah. And so visualizing a lot of that stuff is some of the harder part. Mile 18, like you said, at Houston, that's when you're feeling like you're going through the motions at that moment. You're mm -hmm. questioning, I have eight more miles. Can I still do this? Yeah. Or am I going to be able to hold on? Right. Like, can, can I keep going at this pace? Those are parts that you don't want to think about, but I feel are the most vital to think about. No, I, I agree. And, and, and to extend on that a little bit is that, you know, you know, Houston, the stars aligned pretty well, you know, that yeah. it was a good day. And there was parts of that, that, you know, in the early parts, the first half marathon where it, it felt like a, a, a training run where I felt like I was like holding back. I was like, okay, just wait, just wait, just wait. It's going to get hard. And it did, it did get hard. Yeah. Um, you know, and I, 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 I have that experience, but I also am prepared mentally like i've been preparing that it's it, it you might get eight miles in you might get 10k in and it starts to hurt and it starts yeah. to be painful you know i i i i i've been in the sport long enough to know that you know that that rare air that 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 specialness that i feel like there's no chain on the bike that 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 doesn't happen very often and yeah and especially like houston the, the conditions were so nice um, and you know, it's like flat and it's a point to point and the weather was much better or it was much cooler than it's probably going to be in Florida. Um, so I've just been like running through scenarios, you know, and you know, could, it could be rainy, you know, you, every time something, Oh, it's raining out, it's raining out tonight. So I was like, Oh, it could be raining in Florida. Like, um, so, uh, you know, you, you think about it and you plan, you do the best that you can, you know? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So going into this race. What have been some like source of, of inspiration for you so far? Like, what are you really going out there looking to achieve? What are you really going out there? Like look, looking to prove what has inspired you to just go out and give it your best. That's, that's a great question. I'm glad you asked it. Um, for me, it's like, it's, it's really kind of come together recently. Like we had the team read shirts and I, and I'm starting to see the, see them, you know, some people at work wearing them, people, uh, friends and family posted on the internet. Thank you, by the way, everyone who's doing that. And even again, if you have not, it's fine. If, you know, that people have been supportive yeah, to buy mine. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, no, that's fine. Everybody, everybody's been very supportive. Um, you know, it's kind of been reflective for me. Right. And, and it's in, yeah. you know, my, 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 I've been doing this sport a very long time and I've been very, uh, grateful. And, um, you know, I've been given a lot of opportunities, uh, at a very young age, um, by, by mentors and coaches and teammates. So, you know, to, to a certain degree, I feel like I'm going out there and, and, you know, this is paying homage to everybody that, that has helped me along the way, you know, from youth track and Oxnard stars, youth cross country, um, you know, Rio Mesa high school, my coaches there. And, and, you know, uh, someone that, that, you know, in college, you know, my, my coach Conover, um, who passed away a couple of years, he won the trials in 1988 
And, um, you know, he was known as being a very tough runner, tough athlete. And it was, he beat cancer several times. Um, and you know, he, he coached us, you know, he, he was, he was, he coached us tough too. He, he made us tough. We had very uh, successful seasons, top 15, top 10 in the nation seasons. And, you know, I, he, he you know, I've been gaining a lot of, of inspiration, um, from, you know, reflecting about him and, and even now in the post-collegiate world, just, you know, with, with Joe Rubio and even, even Mondo and, and, and people and, and, and you know, our teammate, you know, I, I just feel like looking at the cross-section of my career that, you know, I, I feel this overwhelming sense of, uh, gratefulness and, and this, um, you know, this sense to, you know, go out there and really represent, you know, my family, my friends, my coaches, my, my running DNA, um, and, um, you know, that, that I'm getting a lot of inspiration from that, you know? Um, so, um, you know, people who know me, people who have, you know, spent any amount of time with me have, have you know, I'm very loyal. I'm very proud of, of, of my running DNA, like, you know, high school, college Aggies. Um, I'm, you know, I'm proud to have been coached by Mark Conover. I'm proud to have gone to Rio Mesa high school. I'm proud to have, you know, worked with Joe Rubio, over the years and wear the Aggie singlet. And, uh, you know, I, I look forward to representing that. And also like my family, you know, my, my, my son and my wife being out there, I draw a ton of inspiration from them as well. Um, you know, just, you know, you know, my, my, my son just being able to wear his little team Reed shirt and, and to experience that. And we'll have those, those pictures and those memories for, for, forever. And, you know, and, you know, I just getting a lot of inspiration from that. So it's been very nostalgic, right? I, I yeah, like I said, I'm, I'm very grateful for the opportunity. And, and it's, it's like, you know, I feel like you got your, you know, you got your whole city, you know, you got your whole town that, that you get to go represent. And um, so that's, that's, that's a lot of where I'm getting my, my inspiration from. Yeah. So with that being said, you said a lot. You said a lot of really nice things about the people in your life. So, what would a successful Olympic trials look like for you? What would a successful experience be spelled out like? I, you know, I think, you know, I'm I'm not going to put limitations on myself. Um, I'm a pretty realistic person. Um, but, you know, I think if I can go out there and and start the race and um, and and and, com and compete to the best of my ability and um you know represent myself and my family my team with with uh with with pride and and um poise I, you know i would be happy with that you know it's really it's with this type of event it's such a different mindset than houston than boston or whatever right it's yeah it's a championship race you just there's so many unknowns it's 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 at a weird time of year it's, you know, nobody's really done this course before it's a bespoke event, right? So it's almost like the yeah. event, the event itself is a little bit bigger than the race. And, um, you know, so a successful race for me is, I, I, I'm, you know, I'm not trying to be evasive or anything like that. I, I just, I, I, I want to go out there and give my best and, and, and represent, um, you know, with pride and with dignity and, and with confidence and, you know, that could be a variety of different places and a variety of different times. But, you know, I, I, you know, that, that that's kind of what I see being successful. 
Yeah, being the best version of yourself, right? Yep, on the day. Yeah, that's what I absolutely love about that. I think that's a very good goal to have, especially at such a high-level event because you don't know what could happen on the day of for anybody at all. I'm sure there was a lot of people at the last trials that thought they were locks to make the team and wound up not having very good days. Right. And there's people who didn't think they had a shot to make the team that made the team. Yeah. Or it could happen like that for for any other country. But there is a quote that we can leave off on for uh, Kobe Bryant when he talks about what the Mamba mentality is. And a lot of people, when they talk about Mamba mentality, it's like, get up, get up early, work out hard, never quit, outwork your opponents. And when Kobe describes it himself, he said, it's as dancing as beautifully in your own box as you possibly could. Mm. What I love about that is because it's just talking about being the best possible version of yourself so that when you do hang it up and you do eventually walk away from it, you did everything you thought you possibly could within your capabilities, within your limits, because I hear it all the time. I'm sure you heard it all the time. Like, what if you didn't work a full-time job or like, what if you went pro what if you got a full contract and like what could you do then it's like well that's not a reality for a lot of us so for us we're gonna dance in our box as beautifully as we possibly yeah. can. no that's i'm glad yeah that's a great quote and I, I you know that's something to live by man i i don't i don't i don't really play the what if game you know yeah, you can't I, I, you can't what if i what if what if this what if that I, you can't you can't you have to you know good, bad, or indifferent, you play the cards you're given and you keep it moving. And, and, you know, uh, what if I went pro this or that, you know, if I went pro, yeah. maybe, maybe I had a good at four or eight years, but I might not still be doing it. You know, I don't know. Like, yeah. um, but yeah, that's great. That's a great quote, man. Good yeah. old bomb Mamba. Yeah. RIP RIP, but definitely love that. Just to keep in tabs with me and Phil coming up, I'll be racing at the BU indoor meet next week on friday i'm doing the men's 5k i'm either in heat three or heat four haven't been told yet because the entry entry deadline isn't quite there yet and phil's gonna be racing the trials and he said at the start of the episode saturday february 3rd 10 a.m eastern time so 7 a.m pacific so make sure that you keep an eye on us make sure that you follow through hopefully we both come away with some with some good experiences and we have something fun to talk about on the next pod yeah one of the next pods yep uh, yeah, no, I, you know, thanks for listening and, you know, follow along for the journey. You got, you got, you got two athletes in two different, uh, parts of the country doing two different events. Um, and you know, we're looking forward to sharing the journey with you. Uh, make sure you like comment, subscribe to the lane one talk show. Um, anything else, Mark? I think we're good there. Yeah, I think we're good. All right. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you next time.